Greetings all. Welcome back to another episode of the Coptimizer podcast. I'm your host, retired chief of police, Patrick Flannelly. Today's guest, Troy Torrance. And Troy, I'm going to let him talk about his background, but he's just pretty much an all around uh, badass kind of guy. And we're talking about human optimization on this podcast. And I can't think of a better person to have on particularly uh, someone that has worked in this space for a long time and has worked with cops for a long time. Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Human optimization. It's kind of a big term. And I think a lot of times it's not necessarily represented well, but you know what? We got like an hour, hour and a half to, to talk about it. So we can make whatever we want it today. Awesome. (laughs) So, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and cover the unique aspect that you are a civilian employee working in the largest uh, law enforcement organization in the state, or maybe second, you and IMPD. I don't know who's bigger, but it's probably close. Yeah, we're pretty close with IMPD. So yeah, uh, I'm Troy Torrance. I'm the health management specialist with the Indiana State Police. I work directly out of the training division. I've been doing this since 2000. So as those in the National Strength and Conditioning Association's tactical strength program, they call me an OG because I was around before they even started that program in 2007. So our agency actually had this position way back in the, uh, I believe, late 80s with uh, Superintendent Furness, who started a whole wellness program and trying to get everything going with those people kept it going till about 95 uh with gordon schmidt he he retired and then tracy williams beck took over for about five years and then i came in in 2000 and basically the health management specialist does everything basically wellness for the agency so we're there for smoking sensation uh programs you're trying to put on programs for weight loss nutrition all things basically wellness, like a corporate wellness manager. And that's what I went to school for, for an undergrad graduate work. I did some biomechanics and a little bit into strength and conditioning, got my CSCS, which is a certified strength coach way back in 98, uh, prior to me, obviously coming to the department, uh, but just trying to look at getting a role, uh, started in corporate wellness, which is fun for about a year and then got kind of bored of that. And then a job opened up with the Indiana state police. I'm like, Oh, wonder that looks awesome but i don't have five years experience i got a year so applied for it somehow didn't get it originally so whoever didn't take the job i was second in line so thanks to that person uh (laughs) i got the job after when they declined it but uh i was able to start out and uh get my feet wet it's it was uh an interesting time coming in right in 2000 uh in late october and then just kind of being thrown in a training division not really understanding the cop culture, but uh, being engrossed in it, had some good mentors uh, going through with uh, Captain East, uh, Major, and then became Danny, Major Danny East, and then all the way up to a colonel and all those uh, before them. But starting out there, uh, just doing a lot of wellness in the first couple years. And then Lieutenant Gary Dudley, uh, who passed in 2006 uh, during the bike ride, he was the uh, commander at the academy. And uh, we were gone on a training one weekend for Perform Better in Ohio and hits me up and 
we're just talking. I'm finally able to sit and, hey, what do you do? How long have you been on the agency? And we're just kind of chit-chatting. And I told him what I have in the background. He's like, why aren't you at the academy? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we do all the training out there and I'd like you out there. And I'm like, well, if you ask, I guess I could be out there. So hindsight prior to that in about 2002, all I did is body fat composition coming out to see the recruit. So I didn't really see what was going on. I got to see some of the training, but then with the Lieutenant bringing me out there, he started implementing me into taking over some of the strength and conditioning. Since I have that as a background, I started to watch what they were doing, looking through what the officers were doing, and then also really starting to study law enforcement, what we do in control tactics, what we do on the gun range, what we do in EVOC training, all of those subject matter things, and then trying to put a strength and conditioning program wrapped around that. So it's trying to turn law enforcement from the old push-ups, the sit-ups, and the running to actually trying to get some sort of maybe periodized type training or just actually adding some strength and conditioning to our recruits rather than body weight. And that takes time, obviously, with being a partner within a law enforcement academy. We don't own the academy. So we are kind of subject to the space that we have and the equipment, which was at that time in the early 2000s, no equipment. So we did a lot of body weight training again, but just. Yeah, I can I can, I can attest to that. <laughs> yes. So probably when you went through, it was just calisthenics, similar to the military. When you have a big cohort of units that you're training or cadets or recruits, it's very hard to have. With us, we average about 40 to 50 through an academy. The basic side is about 130 to 180. So it's very hard unless you have a 10,000 square foot facility to actually put a true strength and conditioning program on, getting them under a barbell, teaching them some barbell lifts. I have the unique position within our agency to be able to handle that with smaller groups and then getting the approval to start purchasing some equipment. So in about the mid 2000s, about 2008 and nine, is when I kept asking for a wish list. And the big thing you have to always do, as you know, being a chief is keep asking, (laughs) I need money, I need money. And eventually they're going to say yes, or they're just, going to say no. And I got to get used to saying no a lot, Uh, but just keep asking and requesting it. And then being able to finally get equipment help. So getting some barbells, getting bumper plates, and then starting to get the recruits under a barbell, teach them a little bit of skill, teach them how to move it. So when they get out of the academy, they may have that to transition and keep that going for their career. So that's kind of a, a short nutshell in the early part of 2000, but just Every year, re-looking at what we're doing, trying to modify, go to different conferences, go to the tactical strength and conditioning, just to see what we're doing and what everyone else around the whole U.S. is doing. And even some in Canada and a few other countries, just what are we doing to, to train our men and women? So, Yeah, that's that, you know, when we were chatting last week, I didn't realize that you guys had such a comprehensive program going back all the way to the 80s. And I, you know, I think you and I have known each other for probably a good 15 years now, uh, if not longer, but that was, that was fascinating because even, even the work that I was doing at my own agency in the, in the late nineties, not a lot of other people were really focusing on this space. Times were good in, in the sense that there were plenty of bodies, uh, you didn't have necessarily have to worry about recruitment and retention. There was always there was always uh, next officer up kind of scenarios, uh, but but all those things are changing. And and even back then, I was 
I've said it before. I've said it multiple times on the show. I was just very fortunate to kind of stumble into some pretty frightening information early in my career about uh, mortality rates among police officers, longevity, uh, long-term wellness or lack thereof, uh, disability issues, suicide rates, uh, obesity problems. And, and so it really kind of set me down a path to, I guess, first and foremost, from a selfish perspective, I just wanted to survive my career uh, not only on the streets, but off the streets and be able to retire healthy and, and, you know, not, not have done to me what I had seen this profession do to other people uh, who maybe didn't manage their health very well, uh, or maybe waited too long, assume that, you know, there would always be time later to fix it. So kudos, hat, hats off to, uh, to the state police for, you know, having, having that foresight and, and working on it. Yeah, when you look back, uh, when I was studying it, when I first came in, there weren't too many agencies. I think Ohio is one of the other state police agencies that really has a robust program built in where annual PT tests, they have actual doctors on staff, uh, behavioral health experts on staff. So literally you get a full physical by a department doctor each year. So they're able to manage their people really, really well. So they've, they've put that in and I don't recall how early they started theirs, but just from looking back at the paperwork when I came in and studying with the Cranard heart study, and I believe it was 88 and just everything that was going on and trying to set a physical fitness standard, which I know most agencies would love to go to. And I know we were working on revamping that in the 2019 and then COVID came around. So that's been put on pause for a bit. Uh, but I do know most of my units keep asking. I just had a lieutenant talk to me Tuesday when I was at the academy training. And he was like, so when are we getting that program spun back up? I'm like, it's been on pause. We're, we're still looking at it. And I know there's talk in the field that want it. And it's just how do we get it and start building it that the men and women will want to follow and understand uh, for their betterment, as you said, trying to put, as I would say, from a like a financial, we always put money away and have some compounding interest. We got to do the same thing with our fitness. You have to build some sort of plan and start to do a little bit of fitness throughout the career in order to retire and not become that statistic of three to five years of dying after this uh, profession. Yeah. And, you know, the frightening thing is, is, I don't know what else you could say to a young officer or even a veteran officer that sh that should be captivating, more captivating than that. Like that should get your attention. Like up to 50% of police officers are dead within the first five years of retirement. So you work all this time, uh, you put in all the work and effort, you serve your community and man, man you don't even, and, and the other thing to consider is that police officers retire at a younger age than Others now, I'm not. They retire from the policing profession, and then maybe go on to work in other areas. But you know, hypothetically, theoretically speaking, we're talking fifties, not not seventies and early eighties. And now I know the trend in the U.S. Sadly, for the last two years now, two years in a row, I believe it's the the average lifespan has declined uh, for the first time, and I think. Like almost like a hundred years. It's kind of crazy. 
So it just it just goes to show you that we're not the only ones that are suffering from these types of issues. I think the general population is suffering from them, but we're it's it's just a a, a few degrees of separation because of job stress and all of the things that come with shift work and and we can list a few of them as we go but definitely definitely a lot of stuff there that you know that we can we can dig into a little bit what is what do you think is the i guess the general impression for troopers or police officers that you work with um when they're introduced to this the concept of uh, a holistic wellness perspective like hey think about this not not when you're getting ready to retire but when you get ready to hire not just because it'll you'll be able to retire healthy but it's also going to help you perform better while you're here i mean what what's your role i mean are you generally are you generally liked you know chiefs sometimes we're not very well liked you know it depends on the day and the issue (laughs) but i would think you have a job that everybody would want to come talk to troy yeah i think the way i try to I wouldn't say spin it, but push it when, when we're in the academy, I get them first couple days of the academy and I know it's a blur for them. We talk a little bit about nutrition and a little bit about, you know, longevity and sleep and how this is going to work. But every training session I get with them, normally I get them about three hours a week, maybe a little bit more, just depends on the weeks. I try to do a little either debrief in the beginning or after the training and we've really revamped, obviously, the physical fitness, so it's not per se seen as punishment or some days where, hey, we're just going to go in and just throttle them. We're really trying to put it into a whole program like this is a time to build wellness, uh, introduce them to key concepts, and then have the troopers that are there as instructors and counselors, they're also re I don't know the correct term, but just kind of reemphasizing what I am trying to teach from a civilian perspective and how this carries over into the law enforcement perspective of what we're trying to do and how building a good base of strength, knowledge, recovery. Last four or five years, we've done a lot with breath work and trying to teach an officer how to recover, not just to get home and just plop in a chair, but how do I work on my breathing? How do I get out of some of this sympathetic tone that we're going to be in being hypervigilant, being stressed as we put on the uniform because the body will change being in uniform and being out of uniform and then just coming off of your shift so trying to teach them in the academy how to do it the issue i know i do know with talking to some of my guys and girls after they leave it's like i call it the freshman 15 as we got into college you'd gain five to ten pounds 15 pounds in that first year i see that in my rookies for the first five They love the profession. They get into it and they kind of forget everything of the academy from a fitness perspective because they love the job. They immerse themselves so into it. They just want to do good. Obviously, the hours, the overtime, the shift work and the challenge, fitness kind of falls a little bit on the wayside until about three to five years. And like, ooh, they try to work out. They're like, man, I'm out of shape already. And it disappears pretty quick. But I always meet them where they're at when they come back. It's like, man, you're, you're right, Mr. Torrance. I'm like, I, I'm not always right. I'm just trying to put some seeds in you to maintain. And before they leave, it's the same thing. Try to maintain something for a couple of days a week. You don't have to train five days. Get a couple of days a week to offload something. Have some sort of practice. If you want yoga, you ride a bike, something. But do something to help you combat that stuff we do at law enforcement. 
Yeah. And, you know, both of us have backgrounds with CrossFit um, and the CrossFit methodology. I I just am a huge fan of it just because um, it takes all the thought, all the thinking and all the planning out of the equation. So as a as a person who just wants to maintain a level of fitness or excel in their fitness, all you need to do is show up. Uh, you show up, you get you get good mobility work. You get good coaching on technique. You have someone that monitors your mechanics to make sure that you're moving correctly. You're not doing anything that's going to injure you. Uh, and you get some some post-workout recovery work in and you get it all in an hour. And all you got to do is show up. Um, you don't have to think about what am I going to do today? Uh, like think about all the science that goes in to the planning of, of a good uh, workout programming. You just show up. And, and so, but with that being said, there's a lot of ways that you can skin that cat, right? There's a lot of ways that you can stay healthy and do things and it doesn't have to be CrossFit. There's a lot of different functional uh, programs out there that I think are excellent. Uh, I actually brought up one the other day. I think Orange Theory for for a lot of police officers can be a good thing. Uh, one thing I like about it, it's, it's data-driven, right? It, you know, you're, you're working on numbers, you're working in heart rate zones and it, it gives people a level of awareness about, uh, about metrics that they might not otherwise think of. So um, do you, uh, I mean, do you guys, do, do you have any type of programming specifically that you like to work with? You've mentioned breath work, you've mentioned uh, mobility work. So just yeah, we, curious. yeah, we played around uh, obviously with CrossFit. I have, I have a CrossFit affiliate on the side that I, I own with my wife. Everybody that comes to me, do I need to do CrossFit? I'm like, no, you don't have to do CrossFit. You need to do something. And it's a movement practice. Have a movement practice. Great quote by Kelly Starrett. Just do something and move. And that is the biggest thing is if I can get you to move or even a little bit of Mark Sisson. He, he talks a lot. He's the Mark's Daily Apple guy. He's almost, I think he just turned 70 and guy's phenomenal shape. Yeah, I wrote the book Primal Blueprint, which is fascinating. And I strongly recommend. That's one of my most recommended books, by the way. Yeah. I mean, his. I use his in every, everything I do. And I'll be teaching to some of my... Uh, forensic scientists coming up in a couple of weeks about exercise selection. And I use it in everything. And you may have, have, have heard his comment, but there are three things that everybody should be doing during the week. One is breathe really hard. So you need to sprint, maybe do a CrossFit workout. You're doing something. So you're getting your breath rate really high. Your sprint work, sprint some hills. You need to go long one day, sit on a treadmill I should say a bike, maybe sit on a, get on a treadmill for 20, 30 minutes. Just, just breathe. The talk test. Can I get two or three words out? Maybe put on a backpack and go walk five miles, walk maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You're getting that long aspect of some endurance and then pick something up heavy once a week. So get under a bar, pick up a big, heavy sandbag, do something that's somewhat heavy, and then you're going to strain the body. So that's the thing that I see. And when you look at like officer down and uh, what's what some of our men and women that die of heart attacks on the job, what is it normally after a high output? So yeah. car push, fighting with a violator, something that's jacking your heart rate up and then it's having to come back down. If we only train one domain, which I'm, I'll have, as we call maybe the cardio queens or my people that just love to do cardio, that's awesome. But you're in one zone of training. You're kind of in a nice steady state. The heart rate's kind of there. For you to sprint, it's going to challenge your heart. Same thing with my big, strong power lifters that can move a freight train. But can they do something like CrossFit where I run a 400 meter, come in and try to deadlift 
a moderately heavy weight for five to 10 reps, do a couple push-ups, and now run again and come back and try to pick that bar up. My big, strong men have issues with that because their heart is not trained for that. And as we know with law enforcement, it's all over the place. You don't know what's going to happen on any day. You don't know if you're going to get in a fight today. You don't know if you're going to have to push a car. You don't know if you're going to have to drag somebody out of a car. We just don't know. So you have to train, as what CrossFit did, the unknown and unknowable. Try to have some variety in your training and touch it sporadically through the week. So not always just long cardio every day this week, next week, only sprinting. Throw some variation in there and you'll be surprised how fit you can get with minimal change. And, you know, you, and you can do it with minimal equipment too, because I hear that a lot, um, man, I, I just don't have time to get to the gym. Um, you know, when you start kind of digging into, you know, somebody's routine and schedule, just trying to understand where, you know, where things might be going sideways for them. Why are they gaining weight? Um, why are they developing some risk factors when it comes to insulin resistance or all the other things that can lead to inflammatory diseases that, lead to those heart attacks. Um, so that, that's, that, and again, that's another, like, that's another reason why maybe a shout out to someone like Mark Sisson or even Kelly Sturette and a few others that, you know, that, that move natural movement, like take your shoes off, go for a walk in the grass, you know, find a, find a field and sprint, um, run up, run up some hills. Uh, yeah. There's, there's tons of things. You know, it's really just limited to your own imagination about what you do, but um, finding finding the time to prioritize it uh, and making sure that you're prioritizing correctly, I think, is also another challenge that sometimes police officers have, particularly those that work the work the night shifts. Yeah, the night shifts is the tough one. And, you know, memberships, uh, obviously, I work for state police. So we have 92 counties. Troopers are living everywhere. They're going to be very rural areas sometimes they're not even close to anywhere for a weight weight room and it's like you need maybe a pair of dumbbells you could get a couple kettlebells heck you can go down and buy a 50 pound sandbag and literally cover it in a garbage bag put some duct tape on it you got a sandbag you can carry on you probably have a dog you can pick up a you know your 40 pound bag of dog food all the time there's a lot of things that can be done and what i do like is when when i get officers hitting me up like what can i do it's like what equipment do you have I have nothing. I'm like, well, we can make stuff pretty fast. You don't need to spend $150 on a wall ball, take a basketball, cut a hole in it, fill it with sand. There's 20 bucks. You can get a little bit of glue. It's very simple. There's there's things that are pretty easy and there's a lot of austere type training that's out there. CrossFit has it on some of their sites. Zach Evanesh is another good example. He's out of New Jersey. He's done a lot of that training, which is just body weight. Maybe pick up an implement that you may have, maybe a dumbbell, maybe a barbell, anything that you can find, you can use, you can drag a tire behind you. I mean, it's amazing. Even Jim Wendler, when he talks about it, he he literally mows his lawn with a 40 pound weight vest. He's got a prowler he pushes around his neighborhood at a quarter mile. So there's a lot of stuff. You don't need a lot of equipment. And it's quite surprising. People think they need a lot when actually for some, it's just getting out and walking and moving in nature. It's going to help them with a lot of their stress and even some of that, as we talked about just earlier is just sugars and your A1C and just pre-diabetic is just move. Law enforcement, we sit. Our our station and our office for state troopers is their vehicle, period. They're in their car all day. Could be eight hours, could be 12 hours, depends on their shift. And the only time you're getting in and out is when you're stopping a car and 
if you track your steps, not a lot of them going in and out of that car. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't recognize how sedentary policing really is. They assume that the, the police are out and about all the time and modern policing really has changed a lot. And number one, you have fewer officers covering larger territories. Uh, the demand for response times you know, doesn't decrease, it increases. So you have to, you have to utilize technology to try to cover some of the gaps and that puts you in a car. You wind up going from call to call, sitting down most of the time. And um, one of the little hacks that I've, that I've tried to teach people over the years is when you find yourself uh, in a day, especially if you're an agency that works 12 hour shifts, you know, every department's going to be a little bit different. Shift, shift work's going to look different, but if, if you know that you're in a 12 hour shift and there's, you have family obligations or sometimes something outside of the work hours, or maybe an off duty assignment, something you need to do that in your shift, you can find time to build things in, get out of your car, walk a block. Um, it's a great police a community policing initiative. You can get out and you can chat with people, but just getting out and walking. And in that walk, you can also incorporate breath work. You can take a moment to get out from inside of like the electromagnetic trap, you know, that is a modern squad car and get some fresh air uh, and and work on work on some of these breathing techniques. Um, you can do find a bench, do some step ups. You already you already have 25, 30 pounds of gear on, you know, do do a few things like that. that and, and if you can find five minutes every hour just to get out and walk the block, you'll feel a lot better and you'll decompress, you'll de-stress and, and you'll, uh, you know, flush some of that, some of that cortisol from the system. Yeah, most definitely. Just, I mean, just moving is going to move, not just your blood, but the lymphatic system. I mean, the biggest thing is just movement. Your profession, the profession of our officers is a seated profession. Most of those that are working the road, unless you're doing a lot of work and a lot of traffic in and out, it is sitting. It is seated. So I love using the analogy from Finding Nemo way back in the very first one of, you know, when they break Just the machine to keep swimming. the bubbles and then everything starts to change and gets all dirty. I said, that's your body. If we sit and become very sedentary, the system doesn't work well. And as Kelly Starrett will say, and he's done a bunch of podcasts on this, he's, he's one that I do love to listen to because he breaks it down pretty simple, is when we truly look at it, whether our men and women if we sit six to eight hours a day, like if I'm sitting like today and I'm spending most of my day in a seat, no matter if I train that one hour in the weight room and I bust my butt, that does not offset that six to seven hours of sitting on my butt. And that that blew me away a few years ago and I heard that. I'm like, wait a minute, but I'm, I'm burning a lot of calories. But then when you truly look at it, I'm not moving. I look at my steps. I'm like, whoo, I got to get up. So trying to set that, I like that example of getting, you know, trying to tell the officer, if you leave your vehicle, you still have a radio. Yeah. You're, you're still within an area of your vehicle if you had to get back to, it, especially a trooper, because they have multiple counties or they might have, you know, around Indy, they might be in a zone and they have a, a zone, but they're anywhere in that zone. They can go where they want and do what they want. They have time as long as you're receiving calls and taking your calls, you have freedom. And that's the thing of trying to bestill that, get a little bit of movement you know, every hour, every other hour, not going into the gas station each time getting the free soda pop, you know, trying to look at that, watch the caffeine intake. You know, I don't mind you getting some of those, but just 
looking at what are we consuming through the day too? What are, how, how are we snacking too much? Are we not snacking at all? So those are other things we're trying to teach also in the academy when they get out of how to set their police car up for success and that shift because night shift is the worst as we know. I mean, there's nothing open. And if it is, it's, it's the greasy spoon. Uh, what's, what's the old saying, right? Failure to plan is planning to fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. You know, so you said something that uh, I thought was interesting and I've had a few guests on the podcast, uh, where we've gotten into the discussion about wearables and it's kind of a, uh, it is maybe I, I, they've been around for a long time, but I think the last couple of years in particular, people are really starting to understand the the power that that wearable technology can bring and i'm talking things like uh whoop like i i wear a whoop but i've also worn garmin i've worn um apple I've watch worn, yeah apple watch my wife has an apple watch and an aura ring um the there's 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 a lot of different wearables out there and i'm not that fitbit you know that's a pretty common one as well they they all ha- they all have one thing in common though they have the ability to show you every day what your level of activity is. And you can start by doing something very, very simple by every day looking at your level of activity and then just setting a small goal is to try to get my activity just to be a little bit uh, more tomorrow, whether it's uh, whether it's walking, getting, you know, counting steps in um, it not, and not just doing that, but more importantly to what you were saying, do it at a an interval that's conducive to good health. Like like my wife is saying, my watch is yelling at me. <laughs> my watch is because she works from home also, and she's you know her watch is telling her it's you know you you need to get up and move. So she'll do that. She'll get up, walk out the front door, walk the, walk around the block, come back, sit right. But you know it takes five minutes, and she's right back at it. She's refreshed, um, and yeah. Now I just got to force myself to do it. Um, yeah, that's that's the one I get all the time. I look down like it's just stand. I'm like, oh man, I've been sitting here for an hour and a half jamming at work. Usually, if I get a day to work from home, I get a lot accomplished. But I do notice I don't move because I can hammer work out. So what's nice? I got two dogs here, and it's like, oh, break time, take them out. And I take them all the way down the end of the street, all the way back, and then you get one them some sunlight, me some sunlight, and then just getting out and away from the desk. And it's amazing what people don't realize is. You're only going to stay focused so long, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But if you can take a break, like you said, for about five minutes, maybe 10 minutes and just do something else. It's amazing how much refreshed you're at and you're able to re-hit that. If you're hitting a bump stop and you're just stalled in it, walk away, get away from your desk. The wearables are are awesome. And it also can be the paralysis from analysis. You're, you're, you, you, you get so much data, you don't know what you're doing. Or I'll get one that says, "Hey, my things tell me I'm burning four thousand calories today." I'm like, "Yeah, the algorithm is a little off. You're not burning four thousand calories." <laughs> tell but me what you did to burn four thousand. What are you doing? How is it working? Did you leave it on activity the whole time when you were running around for like three hours? But it, it gives us numbers, and again, it gives us data. It gives us an insight of how much am I moving. Am I moving? Am I maybe looking at, again, it's weird. You look early days in the mid 2000s, they were like, you got to get 30 minutes and 30 minutes continuous. Then the data shift to, hey, three 10 minute bouts is better than one 30 minute bout. And you're looking at this micro dosing of training and it is 
coming to find out, which is pretty awesome, it is a little bit better than just, hey, I'm going to sit there for 45 minutes on a, on a treadmill and just breathe hard. I need that, but not every day. The body becomes adapt. So getting that 10 minutes after I eat lunch, maybe after I eat dinner, that's going to be big. I try to push that to my officers. Hey, you get done eating, take a walk. Take a walk around the parking lot. Do something for a little bit of time. You don't have to walk super fast, but walk. One to aid digestion, one to offset some of that blood sugar, and just use the body's natural ability to help you burn just a few extra calories. Yeah, these are, it, it, you know, it's not that it's not complicated, and I think we as people make it complicated because it, the rationale, the the rationalization process that starts to go on in our head as we have these negotiations about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, and how oftentimes you know just limiting beliefs, uh, you know that that oftentimes is our biggest hurdle. Like, oh, I'm not someone that can do CrossFit. Well, I guess not. You know, if you don't think you can, that you won't, then you won't even try, and you won't ever see the benefit that you could get from it. But Hopefully yeah. it's at least something else. Yeah. It's try something. Like you said, orange theory to anything. I tell people try yoga. I mean, we did our first session with our recruits last night with yoga. Uh, Katie Carlson from the Marion County Sheriff's. She's a wellness director like I am. And, uh, she was on and we've used her last few academies to come out just, just to give some other exposure to our recruits. And it was perfect timing because we had half of our class was stuck in psychomotor training for two straight days of, of ground fighting. So they're just exhausted. I'm like, this is going to be perfect because the weight room is not going to help them anymore today. I mean, if I put them under a bar, they're already stressed and tired. We just got them in there, did some basic movements, mainly breathing, standing, doing a warrior pose, just basic movement, asked them all after. And they're just like, that's what we needed. You could just see them just down regulate. They're just like, whew, I go, you guys probably want to go to bed now, don't you? It's seven o'clock. We don't have anything planned, so you guys get to chill out the rest of the evening. So it was good to start to show them, again, expose them. It doesn't mean everybody's going to go, hey, yeah, I want to go do that. I want to try yoga. But at least we get to expose these young men and women to some other types of training that can be beneficial that they may do or they may look at it later on. Like, hey, what what did we do? Yeah, we did some yoga. I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. So so one, one of the things that you guys offer – um, well, I guess I should say you used to offer it, but as a, a nonprofit CrossFit affiliate through the Indiana State Police, where you you push it out to all of your posts uh, throughout the state where you push out daily workouts. So there's another example of here's a resource, choose to use it or not, but it's there for you. So you don't necessarily have to think about, well, what am I going to do today? Uh, for those that don't have close access to a gym, you know, maybe there's some scaled or modified versions that you can do with or without equipment. But um, what's that what's that program been like? Yeah, we've had our affiliate since I think 2000 and whew, trying to think when we started, I think 2012 with the department. And it's just an online. Everybody would catch it and like, hey, can we follow it? Can we do where's the gym? I'm like, well, we don't have an actual gym. Uh, we were posting a lot online until around COVID. And then the back door of the state's website was just, it was getting cumbersome to throw stuff on the site. We put a bunch into, into Facebook of just like posting daily workouts and that's waned for the last year. So we haven't really spun that back up. I'm truly looking at trying to look at some other software type companies, which would be a little bit maybe easier, like SugarWad, which some use, yeah. uh, maybe Train Heroic and stuff where it might be able to be a little more user-friendly that then people could track 
keep the data rather than it's just being a post uh, that was on Facebook or something like that. Cause most may not have Facebook, but if it, we make it free and then people can see it, it makes it so much easier. And most of the training that we, or I program for that was usually without equipment. I would maybe put like a barbell and then I would put sub caveat. You don't have a barbell, grab a pair of dumbbells, no load or any load. It doesn't matter. Even if you have a basketball, you can do all those basic movements, thruster, pressing, things of that nature. So really just trying to look at getting them moving in all those planes of motion, a little bit of running. Obviously we're not going to row. We're not going to have a bike unless they have it. And I may program it and say, Hey, you might have to find a gym to go row, but if you don't sub this for a run. So just trying to expose some people to it. It was, was key. So I want to touch on a couple things. One, um, and I hadn't, I haven't even told you this since last time we chatted, but we, um, I'm sure you follow the morning chalk up like I do, um, which is it's a publication that's primarily surrounds CrossFit and the CrossFit community. But they do some pretty, uh, hum- pretty cool human interest stories in there. And Emily Beers wrote a story um, a couple weeks ago where she highlighted a, a sheriff's deputy from Louisiana. His name's Corey Joshlin. And I will say his name because I I hit him up. Um, after I read his story and I got him on for an interview. So he, we're going to have an episode. Uh, his episode will actually probably go the week before yours does. But, it, you know, there was just some fascinating things. And he, see, he's a good case study to kind of talk about because he's a, a veteran police officer. He started starting started policing as he's a little older. Um, very large man, like six. He's like six, four. 300 pounds when he started policing, you know, he was uh, a machinist by trade, you know, from Texas. And, and so he's just, a, he's a big, large human being. Well, he gets into policing, starts, you know, gets out on the road, working patrol, his weight starts creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. And then next thing he knows, he's like 380 pounds. And then he realizes, Hey, I need to make some changes. So he kind of it goes to a gym and just kind of goes through the the motions and uh, through some discipline and just some effort is able to lose a little bit of weight, but then drops out of that routine and the weight comes back on. And, you know, where the story eventually finds uh, Emily is he joined a CrossFit gym and he's lost since it's been, I think, I think he's been a member of the gym for about eight months now. And he's lost 40 pounds. He feels way better. He he was at his peak of 419 pounds. Wow. So, the, you know, I, I bring this up because this is, you know, his story is not unique. And it, it's certainly not unique in the CrossFit world. And it's certainly not unique in the policing world is that we have a lot of a lot of people that gain a lot of weight. And from the outside looking in, everybody loves to make the donut jokes that, you know, they like to you know, make, you know, you know, crack. And, and you know what? I love a good donut joke every once in a while. They can get kind of old, but, you know, I I usually tell, I usually follow that up by talking about Phil Maffetone's description of what it takes to, what to make a donut. And I can ruin donuts for everybody right now. Uh, anyway, I digress. The, his story is not unique in that you do become sedentary. You do start experiencing high levels of stress. You are working shift work, which is amplifying these these stressors. He gained gained a, a, a lot of weight and developed sleep apnea and didn't know it. And for him, and he talks about it on the episode, 
you, uh, and I'll encourage people to go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it already. But for him, he went to the doctor for a physical and his primary physician took his blood pressure and said, you need to go to the emergency room. Like that's how bad his blood pressure was. And, and at the time he was six, four. And I think he said he was at like, like, like right around 420 pounds. So that's, that's a pretty large human being. And he's being told you need to go now. Like he wasn't feeling the ill effects. It was, it, that's just kind of the day-to-day process, right? It just takes over. So he goes to uh, the emergency room and I'll ask you uh, without the benefit of, of hearing his answer, but what do you think they did in the emergency room? What do you think they, what they, what they prescribed for? Yeah. With that one, it's just going to be entertaining. as to what the doctor probably looked at him and it's, it's one is going to look at weight loss, but they're going to try to put them right away on blood pressure medicine mm-hmm. and then exercise. You got to, you got to do something because man, I've, I've had the same stuff come with ours. You check some people's blood pressure. Like, Ooh. Yeah. So no, no exercise prescription, no discussion about nutrition. They got his blood pressure regulated and uh, told him he needed to see a cardiologist. Um, he did get a sleep study done, um, was, was diagnosed with sleep apnea, uh, which you would expect, um, got on a CPAP, but the cardiologist is the one that said, you know, he's in his, he's in his, you know, early to mid forties now. And his cardiologist is the one that told him like, if you don't make a change, you're in big trouble by the time you turn 50. Um, and so that that finally got his attention, like having a cardiologist tell him right to his face, like you're in big trouble. And so you know, even then he he did admit that it wasn't enough to kind of be the catalyst to get him to, to get moving. But um, he had tried CrossFit in the past and he just happened to be at lunch with some some co-workers and he saw a gym in the, um, in the town where he works that he was, that he didn't know was there at CrossFit gym. And, you know, he thought about it all day, thought about what his doctor had told him. And he went back to the gym after work. And this is where, uh, where I think the story takes a turn for the positive for him is that he, his coach was open and, and welcoming, really was excited to work with him, let him know, hey, we've got an on-ramp class coming up. Uh, he didn't know what an on-ramp class was. The, his first experience with CrossFit was jump in the workout and get going. And even then he's like, I was a big guy. And I, you know, it, it, that he's like, that was, that was really hard. And that can be intimidating. So you hear stories like that from time to time. I told him like, you know, that those are generally rare, rare occurrences. And you'll find that in any gym environment. But this this gym in particular was they got him in the in in the uh, on ramp class. Then he said they at the end of the, the all the instruction that they went through, they did a group workout together. And he said they step, he sat on a rower and he's like they turned the music up and it was this real loud metal music and just start going. He's like it kind of got me pumped up and then everybody started yelling and cheering. And he's like, I'm in the workout and I'm done. And afterwards, everybody's telling me great job. Everybody's high-fiving each other. And he was like, I was hooked from right then and there. And that's a long story. It's a long way of saying that sometimes it just takes the right catalyst to get people moving in the right direction. And sometimes you got to be 
willing to try something that maybe makes you uncomfortable or that you're that you haven't been willing to try. The sad side of the story is, is that, you know, it took probably too much and too long to get him to that point. And so um, for those that are listening now, for those that are administrators and those that are in positions where you can be the catalyst of change, you can't get disappointed. You can't get down when people don't buy in right away or when they or maybe there they'll be naysayers. Um, maybe there'll be the negative ones that that fight against it, but those are the ones that need it the most. So uh, maybe as a shout out word of encouragement, you know, keep trying, keep trying different things. Yeah, most most definitely. Uh, the biggest thing that I think was in his aspect was obviously getting his blood pressure checked. I don't think most of our people above the age of 40 may even check it, even under the age. I mean, you'd be surprised with our younger officers when they start looking at like, holy cow, I never knew my blood pressure was that high. It's just trying to give them a little bit of feedback because you don't feel it. I mean, that's why they call it the silent killer. It's like, well, I didn't know my blood pressure was bad. Whew, you check some people. It's like, are you on any medicine? Okay, you might be on two or three. We may need to get this re-looked at. And just having also that right cardiologist to kind of be blunt and bold and say, you know, you're not going to do well if you you maintain this path to 50 because I, I can see the road ahead. And then hopefully that will change the mind. But as we know, with some of our officers, it, it won't, it may not change them. But again, like you said, with the administrators, just keep doing the work and keep sharing the information because eventually those people may come around. And again, some may never come around. That's fine too. You just, you just need to be there, not be a bully, but just be there and, and, and encourage and see what's going on and how are things going? I mean, we see it in officers that start gaining weight. I mean, hate to be blunt sometimes, but it's like, hey, wow, you're getting a little fat, you know? Hate to say that, but sometimes that's the catalyst for some, like, man, I guess I have gained some weight. I mean, our agency, you can get another uniform. You go and get another gun belt. It's not like we're monitoring that and seeing it. It's like, well, I gained, you know, I need another gun belt, so up, upsize my uniform, and eventually you're in, you know, three different sizes of uniforms. It's it's trying to see that. And hopefully you have good friends on the department or shift buddies that can kind of say that like, Hey, what, what's going on and trying to open that conversation and have that conversation is, is it stress? Is it work? Is it home life? There's a whole gamut of things that this, this comes from. And it's not always just the job, but we do know most of that comes from the shift work, the long hours, the, the call back ends, the overtime and all that. So. Yeah. So the the pathways for a guy like Corey are the same for every officer. And one of the other things that is important to point out is you can have the exact opposite. You can have somebody that's the high energy, very thin, can eat whatever they want, never gains any weight, and they'll be the ones that have the heart attack just as frequently as the ones that are overweight. Um, well, maybe not as frequently, but there are always risk factors there. That's why it's so important for police officers to get annual physicals and not just go to the doc and have them. How you feeling? I'm all right. Okay. Yeah. Why are you here? Well, I need to, I got to get, get policy says I got to get checked once a year. And if you're an agency that doesn't have that policy, you know, that might be the best place to start. Start just by saying, hey, look, we're going to mandate that every year you get a physical evaluation. And 
your doctor needs to tell you you're fit for duty, bring that note back so we know that you got it. We'll keep it in your file. And um, if you go in March, every March, we're going to check to make sure that you've you've been to the doctor. Um, and and then hopefully we can you, you have a good doctor and you have a good relationship. You can have candid conversations because there are a lot of canaries in the coal mine, so to speak, that can start to to illustrate to you some of the deleterious effects of stress, sleep deprivation, poor nutrition, all these things, they, you know, they can show themselves in strange ways. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Blood work. I mean, not just check the box. We get most doctors. If we, if we have our own, our own family physician, most of them don't know how to read blood work. I mean, they're going to, it's like, Hey, your cholesterol's high. What does that mean? I'll put you on a statin. Is that the best thing for me? I mean, I have high cholesterol. I don't have a family history. My numbers are high. I've I've dove down the rabbit hole, talked to my doctor, went to a lipidemiologist, studied everything. I've talked to you about this in the yep. in the past, and I've done everything looking for the sticky plaques, all of that. I have none of those markers, but I have high cholesterol. Don't know why. I've been doing CrossFit since 2007. I'm fit for my age. I'm almost 50. It's something probably in my markers, but every year I do at least one or two times, get my blood labs, look at them and see where I'm at. And my doctor each year says, well, if you weren't as fit as you were, I'd probably put you on a statin. I'm like, well, I don't want to be put on a statin unless truly I would have some issues into those sticky markers and, and then really try getting deter or getting down the rabbit hole with a good lipidemiologist, which I did find. And uh, he was just like, well, it's just your genetics a little bit. So, and he still recommended me getting on a lipid, uh, but, I, or uh, sorry, I, a statin statin but i was like man i'm good right now we'll keep an eye on it i do my my plaque score so i've done that a couple of times every five years but my biggest thing i tell my officers is hey you're given a commission you have to do an oil change every five thousand or six thousand or three thousand whatever your agency has you have to do preventative maintenance on your vehicle why aren't you doing it on your body this meat vessel that you have you have to check under the hood if you never check under the hood it's like never changing your oil you're eventually going to blow that engine something is going to break and that machine isn't going to work well. And then the chief's going to be pissed because you never got your oil changed and something's wrong. So if you can start to look a little bit under the hood and start to see what is going on, you may be able to catch these things earlier. Dr. Peter Atia has a lot of good stuff on that. Uh, Dr. Huberman's lab podcast talks a bunch of this stuff. There's so many easy resources to get some general information. And now there's companies coming up that just specifically do blood labs that will actually have somebody call you back and explain what is going on. And it costs you a little bit of money, but then again, you're investing in yourself because do you not want to retire healthy and then retire, which I love to see when we get some of our, and I don't want to say it in that way of love seeing these death notifications, but when I see our officers that have passed and have retired for the last 30 years you know, they retired in 82 or 75 and they died at the age of 92. That's what we want. I don't want to see an officer dying at 56 and they retired at 54. They didn't get any of their pensions. So you worked all that time for what? You burn that candle at both ends and you burned out. It's trying to catch that early enough. Can I get ahead of some of this stuff? And we can. We can mitigate some of the stressors. Not all of them, but there are things that we can do from a fitness, wellness, and health with the right proper physicians. Yeah, so we call, and you and I have taken this deep dive in the past, The uh, and there there are 
a lot of companies, I can't, I can't say a lot, but there are a few companies that I think are doing it well right now. Uh, specialty health, uh, uh, retired chief Steve Pitts from Reno, working with Dr. Jim Greenwald in Reno, Nevada. You know, they were back. This was all the way back in 2013 when I read that they had a DOJ uh, recognized program called Resiliency as a Path to Wellness. And while I was working on trying to do my own uh, testing and some and just run some small experiments uh, at my own agency, I found somebody else that was thinking like mindedly. And so that became a great resource for me. And that got me connected later with uh, Dr. Bill Cromwell, who's a you know world class lipidologist and and you, and and I tell this story just because right, I like I'm I'm the example of the guy that works out a lot, eats well. You have high cholesterol, but everything looks good, and you've done all of you you've done what you can to mitigate risk, and now you have data points that every six months, every eight months, whatever it is, you've got an interval where you can go back and you can look to see, okay, what is anything changed? If so, what's up, and do I need to course correct? So for me, I kind of had a, a like a different experience in that all my numbers uh, have been in this optimal optimal zone. Uh, my particle count, you know, which include, you know, it's a combination of your cholesterol, your triglycerides, HDL, LDL, particle count. Um, but I I've won the genetic lottery, uh, you know, in an unfortunate way where I have a trait that's called lipase small a, LP little a. Um, Dr. Huberman talks about it. Andrew, or, uh, Peter Atia has an extensive podcast on just on LP little a alone. Why? Well, because it is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It's in about 15 to 20% of the population. Nobody really understands it. Why we have this, but some humans do. Uh, most don't, but if you have it, it's something you, you need to be aware of. There are, there are no statins to treat lipase small a, but there are lifestyle interventions and it's something that you need to know. So fortunately for me, I've known that I've I've got this lipase small a and I get my numbers checked every uh, every six months. And I uh, in back in uh, when I was changing from uh, competitive, like old man competitive cross, CrossFit to try to stay in the I call it competitive because I was trying to stay in the top 200. You're a top 20. I'm I'm in in a couple of rungs below you, but that that to me was always a good goal. Is if I could hang in that top 200 area, I know that I'm doing something right. I'm working out, and uh, so I change my diet. I I switch from a paleo zone nutrition program to a ketogenic uh, diet, which I think is really it's a really beneficial program for officers that are overweight, that are obese, that are insulin resistant and don't have some other mitigating risk factors. But again, you have to know, and this is why working with a, a trained clinician or somebody that's familiar with this can be really beneficial. That's why, again, always the hats off to organizations like the ISP for having a resource like you available to their people. So people, uh, the officers know who they can go to. In CrossFit, we use these benchmark workouts to be able to measure if your fitness is improving or not. Um, Having lab work, that, you know, I always say it, it really should be one of the first places you go is start with the labs, make sure you don't have any underlying risk, and then and then get find a plan that's going to work for you that you're going to stick with. Exactly. Uh, you, you said it right there. The biggest key is your data inputs and outputs. If, if you're constantly just doing blood labs and not also monitoring what you're doing from an exercise or anything, 
what is truly working. I mean, you, you noticed it on your pl- your path, you're on your regular diet and then you convert to a keto. You already had a blood lab earlier and you test, test it again. Like, Ooh, that's a, sw- that's a swing. You know, if that was anybody else, they would've been like, well, why is it swinging? What changed? Well, you also have to maybe look at body weight and some other things. There's multitude of markers. And the other one, big one that we really don't really think about much is we can't pick our parents. You, yeah. you have a genetic, you said you have a genetic lottery. You got pinged with a little P or yeah, LP little A. People may not know that. You you don't know what prehistories you may already have and trying to get a little stewards from your family members. And that's where I asked my dad, I asked my mom, like, hey, did anybody have high cholesterol? Nope. I call my sister. Nobody's got it. I'm like, so I'm the genetic guy. So not knowing if it's just because I am doing more of a high output exercise you know, I, I'm, I've changed my diets a few different ways going more, same thing, carnivore slash keto. I didn't go diving too deep into it. It was in a paleo, did all my shifts and it really didn't switch any doctor said, stop eating eggs. I'm like, okay, did that for three months. That didn't change anything. So it's just understanding that's just going to be something I'm going to have to pay attention to put some inputs in again, see where my fitness is also looking at where my body weight is. Do I function well at, you know, 180, 185, or am I good at 190, 195? I know when I'm above 195, it's a little big for my frame at 510. So if I can bring it back down a little bit, my whole system runs a little bit better. So just knowing those inputs and kind of laying them up on each other helps. And I'll I'll give another story because I know not everyone's going to go back and listen to every one of these episodes, but um, when we did this lab testing for all of our officers, we opened it up to everybody. We did the police panel, uh, had 115 of our 200 employees take advantage of this opportunity. And in that in that 115 and in a couple of other small test groups that we did, we identified, um, well, I should say it was 85 of the 115, ident- we identified one area of high risk um, it, that generally people didn't weren't aware of and didn't know they had it. Now, when I say high risk, does it mean like they're walking dead man? No, it just means that there's something in those seven lines uh, where there's one cautionary tale there that you need to pay attention to. And that's going to be true for most people. But that's the power of information. Now that I know, guess what? I can start to implement a plan, a, a care plan to try to identify what this might, what what might be causing it. And in those groups, we did identify several people with FH, familial hypocholesterolemia, which is a genetic, uh, uh, d- uh, it's a genetic predisposition to extremely high cholesterol that can that generally kills people in their 40s and 50s of cardiovascular disease. Uh, is there is no statin in per se that you can take for it either, but there are statin and lifestyle interventions that you can do that can mitigate your risk, uh, if not eliminate your risk. So. You know, that's the power of of the knowledge and having control over your outcomes. And I think sometimes, and we see this sometimes in the policing world far too much, and I, I care to admit, that people give up control. Like, oh, I don't have any control. They kind of have, they take on this, you know, it's doom or gloom. Uh, it, we work in a very negative environment. And sometimes that can just be one more thing that it's like, ah, you know, screw it. I'm going to die someday anyway. And, you know, those are the cases where, you know, it really, it concerns me because, you know, yeah, there are families at home. Uh, there is extended families. There is, there are implications far beyond just, 
just that person, you know, it's, it's the ripples that they create in their own life space. And, um, you know, anyway, I always figured if I can at least, I can at least give people the resources, I, I can put a gym in there. I can keep removing as many obstacles as they'll put up, <laughs> whether, whether they're self-inflicted or whether it's resource inflicted from, you know, money, insurance, all these things, because there's so many factors at play when you're trying to put these wellness programs together. Um, but you know, the, I guess the, the, the lesson there is, is, is one thing at a time, do what you can. And that, because in the end, that's all you can do, but it all starts with knowledge and, and, and having the, the, you know, the understanding that you have the power to change. Yes. And, and it's just little things. It's, it's not something you do right off the bat. Like I'm going to go work out for two hours today. Like you're going to burn yourself out or that one CrossFit workout. Like that was the worst. Again, it depends on the community, depends on the timing. Like, what are we trying to fix? I mean, we see it in our gym. We see it all the time. Like someone's like, oh, I need to lose 30 pounds. I'm like, well, how long, you know, the, the hard question to ask, like, how long have you been overweight over the last 20 years? I'm like, it's not going to come off in a week. It's not going to come off in a month, no matter what you do. It takes time to put it on. It's going to take us some time to take it off. You're going to have pitfalls. You're going to have struggles. You're you're going to have relapses. This stuff happens. And the problem is people just beat themselves up and then like, all right, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not seeing any results. It's like, you got to take it slow. You have to understand that the body's going to take time to adapt. We have a lot of stress hormone going through the system with just what you've been doing in the profession. And again, the big question you've asked, and we've, we've touched base on it. And one of my first questions, besides just, are you in pain? Because if I ask any officer, does anything hurt? They're going to be like, yeah. Uh, the other one is sleep. How are you sleeping? I sleep fine. If I asked your wife or your significant other, are you sleeping fine? They're probably going to tell me you snore like a freight train or you're not breathing when they sleep. It's it's just getting them to understand that sleep is king. That is your superpower. Uh, Matthew Walker does a great talk. Sleep is your superpower. I mean, you truly look at why we sleep. We have to recover. And most people, I, I work well in four hours of sleep. No, you don't. You don't. The human body doesn't. You have to get actual sleep and rest. And don't tell me to drink, that alcohol helps you because alcohol will help you go to sleep, i.e. pass out, but it screws up your REM sleep. That's a whole nother Huberman podcast if you truly want to dive down that. And same thing with uh, Peter Atia. He he understands the effects. And if you haven't done it, and I know, I know you have when you look at your watch and your whoop, is you do yep. a day of drinking and you check your sleep score. It is dog crap. I do it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a drink or two tonight. Yeah, I could have it five hours before bed. My sleep is still screwed up. It's amazing what a little bit of alcohol does. So my little recommendation I try to state to most of my officers is during the week, if you're working your regular shift of four days or five days on, try not to drink during those days. If you get to your last day, great, celebrate the week, have a drink, maybe two, but just don't sit there and be like a college. I don't want to say like that binge drink on the weekends, but try to save it so you're not doing it during your shift and during your work because that will become a habit and those little things, oh, I need that after work. Oh, it feels really good. Yeah. Then they're always looking forward to, I get done with shift, I'm going to have a drink. So try Man, to you move, you, So this is a great segue. You, move, you moved right into uh, where I wanted to go because we've we've covered a lot of ground. We've kind of, we've talked at a very high level about a lot of things. And so- there, there, we could dive deep on every one of these, on every one of these things. We haven't even touched things like adrenal stress and thyroid, um, all these things that are, are part of the system that is affected by 
accumulated stress, uh, the mental stress, the physical stress, the environmental stressors that we that we face, uh, all kinds of things. Cops, you know, you're you're right in it. Like, uh, you really you really have to do some of these things. So, with that in mind, if I was gonna, like, if I'm like, all right, I've only got Troy for 15 minutes, and um, let's just say I'm a I'm a 35 year old uh, male officer. I've been on the job for 10 years. I've gained 30 pounds. I need I need to get back in shape. I'm that 20 or 30 pound over and I'm I'm coming to you now and I'm saying, "Hey, help me prioritize what I should do." Um what kind of recommendations would you give me and where where should I start? I mean, one of my first is have they done anything with a doctor? I mean, that's my 35-year-olds probably haven't seen the doctor since they went through the academy. One thing I'm going to suggest at some time, our department pays for one through your doc. If you don't have one, I will actually be that person that will help you find it. That's kind of the low hanging fruit. That's pretty simple. My first one is what I always talk now is sleep. How are you sleeping? Do you sleep well? How, do you have kids at home? Do your dog sleep in the bed? There's there's those small questions that give me a lot in there. Like, what are your average sleep hours? How long do you spend in bed? So just trying to find out what shift they're on how they're working. Do you, can you take naps? All, I mean, there's a whole gamut of from my night guys to my day guys. So the night guys, they're, they're a whole nother train wreck just because of trying to sleep during the day when the circadian rhythm's off. But just if we're, we're talking the average guy. All right. I'll, 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 just, I'll play, I'll play the guy. All right, Troy. So yeah, I'm working nights and um, I generally get home around uh, eight 30 in the morning so I don't like to go to bed on an empty stomach because I don't want that food turning to fat. So uh, while I sleep, so I know that uh, the eating before going to bed makes you fat. So I'll generally eat like uh, a couple eggs and some toast. And then I go to bed usually at like 10, but then like at one, I've got to go pick up my, um, my six-year-old and I got to take him from the kindergarten to preschool. And then I drop him off. Um, and then I usually I'll come home and and if I'm still tired, I'll, I'll like take a nap uh, or well, maybe I'll do some things around the house. And then I have to go back. I have to be back at work at eight o'clock. So um, I try to take like an hour nap before I go back to work. So how, how is that? Am I doing am, am I doing all right there? Well, yeah, there's good justice there. You get about four hours of sleep. The typical guy. Yeah. Or girl that's that's working those shifts. Yeah. Those are hard ones. You're looking at, yes, I still need them to eat, but I also need to maybe look at their caffeine intake during that evening time because we got to look at a little bit of that. But getting them to look at some different apps, Insight Timer. If you if you can't nap well in the afternoon, just laying down and listening to a Yoga Nitra, which is what Anthony Huberman, or sorry, Andrew Huberman, I always say Anthony, Andrew Huberman from the Huberman podcast, non-sleep, deep rest just chilling out for an hour or even 30 minutes can help you get relaxed without even actually falling asleep. Cause most of my guys and girls will say they can't sleep. They don't nap well because they'll wake up droggy. Um, if you don't take a lot of caffeine, there's the, the nice one called the, uh, Nappuccino. So you take about hundred milligrams of caffeine and then take a nice 30 minute power nap. And that 15 minutes for that caffeine to hit you, you get through that little push of inertia and you wake up and you can benefit from some of that caffeine. Uh, but those work schedules with kids, it's so hard. I've got all those with my troopers. I'll get done and 
hey, I get three hours sleep, then I got to run my kid around to four different things. Then my wife gets off work and then it's a handoff tag and I can't sleep. So, yeah, um, we could we could keep going on those. Generally, what I would tell people there, too, is, uh, you know, if there's if there's no other plan for you, then you got to you got to get to sleep where you can and like or some other way to rest. But what I would say is, it, you know, on these days, is there somebody else that can pick up the child and take them? Is there any other way? Because sometimes what you'll find is, well, there are there are options, but maybe I don't want to pay the extra money. Um, maybe I don't want to ask. I don't want to inconvenience somebody. I don't, I don't want to feel like like I need help. And therein is one of the bigger roadblocks is because we have this culture inside of law enforcement where we praise and preach independence and that sometimes asking for help is a weakness. But asking for help is really a superpower. If you can learn, you know, obviously you don't want to ask people to do things that you should be doing for yourself, but protecting your rest, because I agree with you 100%, 110% if you could, but that's not possible, even though we say it all the time. <laughs> Protect your sleep at all costs. I would tell people, skip your workout if it means you're going to get a solid sleep. If at a minimum, at a minimum on days on your, when you're working in those work cycles, it can be hard sometimes, but if you can get six hours of uninterrupted sleep, that's, that's gold. Eight is ideal. But if you can get six, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be able to manage, uh, uh, you know, a couple years on night shift. Uh, obviously there's all going to be times where that's interrupted, but if you can, if you could do that, you know, 80% of the time, you're going to fare pretty well, but yeah, anything less than six, then, and then the other thing is just the sleep environment, really just how do you create the best sleep environment? And Matt, you're right, Matthew Walker, that's, I've read a lot of sleep books and a lot of them are good. Sean Stevenson's book is good. Um, there's a few others, but by far Matthew Walker's was, I think, the most powerful uh, yeah. and informational one that I read. Yeah, if you have family members, grandparents, man, your grandparents would love, or your parents, but the grandparents of the children would love to pick the kids up from school sometimes. If, even if it's two out of your four days, like, yeah. hey, grandma's going to pick them up on Tuesdays and Thursdays so dad or mom can sleep because even moms are working the night shift and trying yep. to get on those schedules. Absolutely. Um, and just trying to find that, you know, uninterrupted time, blackout shift aids, maybe a mask, you know, all of those things to just get you that little bit of sleep. And yeah, six hours is way better than four. I mean, if I can push you any, any further, great. And then again, something, maybe that power nap in the afternoon, if you can, or trying that non-sleep deep rest, just to get the brain to calm down before you go into your shift and, and handle those things. That's, that's huge. Okay. Sleep's number one. What would be your number two tip? Well, number, uh, number one is make sure you start by going to your physician. And I know we see that on every pharmaceutical commercial that takes up 80% of television, Yep, but you know, it is true. Right. Um, and off, especially, if, you know, when you're young, getting there once getting a good baseline, maybe, you know, you can probably get by with, you know, one every other year, as long as you don't have some risk factors, but every, every, ins every insurance program that I am aware of pays for one wellness check a year. So there's exactly. no reason for anyone not to get that. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. You, you mentioned that one part about skipping your workout. 
if you're not getting the sleep, the workout's not going to help you. Stan Efferding has a great quote. You're stepping over $100 bills to pick up nickels. You're stepping over, I need to get up at 5 a.m. just to get my workout in because then I can, you know, get my workout. It's going to help me. It, you're sacrificing sleep for no gain. You're not recovering from the previous day. So you got to look at your priorities, all of your hours of the day. Where are we? The night shifts, again, are the hard ones of where can I prioritize at? We also have to prioritize the right amount, right foods. I mean, you said, hey, come home, eating eggs and toast. That's fine. But most of us aren't going to do that. And I heard a great uh, thing in a podcast again, uh, which is Mark Bell had on uh, the comedian and now I'm blanking on his name. He's on with Burt Kreischer and his other friend. But anyway, I digress. The greatest quote was, you can't eat what you don't have in the house. If you don't have the crap in the house, you're not going to eat it. Oh, I keep eating these damn potato chips. I keep eating these damn cookies. If you don't have them in the house, you're not going to eat them. So it's trying to, again, set yourself up, not for failure, but for success. Try to have those small things. Meal prep a little bit. Have that plan so food might already be done. So when you get home, hey, I can just re recook up some eggs or I can do that. I don't have to make food because we know coming off shift, I'm just damn tired. And I, I Maybe I won't eat now. Now you're going again longer without nutrition. So trying to plan a little bit so you have something already set up at home for you to be successful. Crime prevention through environmental design. We call it SEPTED, right? So yep. it should be. How about, um, you know, health prevention through uh, or health preservation through environmental design? Yep. Don't, it's huge. You know, don't, don't drink your calories. Keep keep all the fried stuff out of your house. Um, yeah, there's. Yeah, that that's that's a really good one. Um, and because if you don't plan again. That also makes it, especially for the night shifters, it makes it very easy to justify in your mind why you hit the drive through at McDonald's, at Wendy's, at Taco Bell, um, you, you know, you name it, fill in the blank. It, it's easy to justify, well, there's no place to eat. I used to get that all the time. I'm like, every, almost, well, maybe if you don't live in small towns, um, or maybe small towns, it might be difficult, but just about every, you know, mid to large city has grocery stores that are open 24 hours a day. And I used to tell people, uh, and what I used to do myself, number one, I used to go to the hospital a lot and eat, you know, uh, I used to get to go to their salad bar, but I just go, I would go to the grocery store and pick up some, some Turkey and an apple and, you know, some veggies that are already cut and just go throw them in my car. And there's, I, there's there's my there's what I'm eating while I'm at work and I don't need to go through the drive through anywhere. I don't need to go eat greasy, you know, 30, 30 day old oiled french fries. Yep. I digress. Yep. All right, so well, environmental uh, design. Yes, get that get that kind of small successes. It's it's just little things, you know, those that oh, I don't like vegetables. I didn't tell you how to eat vegetables. I'm just trying to have a little variety. One ingredient diet it's another one from the CrossFit realm and others. It's one ingredient means, did it grow in the earth? Did it walk or crawl? It's it's meat, vegetables, fruits, things of that nature. And again, don't drink your calories. You mentioned that. That's huge. Not all, always making smoothies or, or going in and, hey, I went to the drive-thru and got a smoothie or I got my Starbucks. Yeah. Was that coffee or was that a latte or a <laughs> frappuccino that's got... 600, you know, 800 calories or 1200, which you'd be surprised. Hey, pumpkin spice lattes are coming out. Yeah, that's 800 calories. How much sugar's in that? 
So it's those little hidden calories we don't see that we can gulp down and the body doesn't regulate, meaning understand that that's calories coming in. Yeah. And that's a double whammy, by the way, for a lot. We won't dive into that, but putting sugar on top of fat is a big, big no-no. Um, fat by itself, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you're going to, if you're going to put something in your coffee, put whole milk in there uh, or even better yet, heavy cream. Yeah. Um, as long as you're someone that's not, doesn't have any, uh, uh, dairy allergies or, or, or specific reasons why you shouldn't. Yeah. That, that's a great little hack to, that'll keep you going for three hours, a cup of coffee with some heavy cream in it. You won't, you won't feel hungry after that. Yep. Um, okay. So we've covered some of those. We, we did hit on some exercise stuff. So for the person, and again, maybe this is t- touching on the officer that's only getting four hours of sleep, maybe not eating that well. Um, we, t- we convince him to skip his, his workout. So he gets an extra hour, hour and a half of sleep. We sleep in 90 minute cycles. So if you can, generally speaking, if you can get, you know, think of sleeping blocks in 90 minutes, um, there's the person like, well, Hey, listen, in your work cycle, that there's a great opportunity. Once an hour, get out of your car, walk around the block. It doesn't mean that you, you give yourself an excuse not to get any exercise. You still need movement. Um, but you don't have to move to extreme and you don't have to stress yourself too hard. What Peter Atia likes to talk a lot about the zones, right? Zone one and zone two are great areas to stay on those. And then on your days off, when you've gotten a good, good sleep and a good recovery, then you go crush it in the gym, go pick up heavy shit. Yep. Those are the days to push it. And some of the days even is, you know, right before shift, if you've got that hour before and you're trying to get ready for work and you got little ones, put the kids in a stroller, take the dog for a walk. Get that body moving, getting yourself prepared for the day. You're getting some spe- some time even with the spouse because working those night shifts, you, you're, you're high-fiving and passing. If you can spend that extra half hour before shift that you are already got your nap in, you've accumulated some of your sleep. And if you want to know if you have sleep debt, you pretty much can f- find out if you're driving and you're micro, micro sleep and you're nodding off. That's, that's telling me you have sleep debt. You're not getting enough sleep. That's an easy, easy test. If you're falling asleep and that doesn't mean grab a can of Monster grab another big old double shot of espresso or quad shot. Like ah, I'm awake. That's, that's not energy. That's just spiking the heart rate. So understanding, you know, what you're doing and, and, and how the body's working, getting that little bit of time with the family can also help. It's amazing what pets do and ki- kids can do. And just being with your loved ones can actually raise your spirits a little bit and actually change the body's physiology. Absolutely. Uh, an hour 30 minute walk or a jog with the kids is far, you know, they'll remember that far more than they will sitting there and watching a cartoon for 30 minutes. Um, Okay. Along. So caffeine, what, what, what's the caution about energy drinks? Oh, geez. How much time do we got? (laughs) So my, my uh, firefighter friend, Megan Lute, uh, she's a big one on this. She's a person just like I am. And she, she teaches a fire out of um, Virginia, and her big thing is, I mean, just caffeine, energy drinks, period. If you're going to drink something, I would, I would, at the highest end, I would just say a, a can of Monster because there are about 150 milligrams of caffeine. Total in a day, what we should have is about 400 to 450 milligrams. You get a can of Bang, that's 300. How many of my officers will suck two or three of those a day? A lot. A cup of coffee is 80 to 100, 100 milligrams. So again, you can have 
you know, eight to 12 ounces. If you're pushing those 24 ounces, cause you get the free ones, you're probably looking at max two of those a day. So just trying to see what you're consuming through the day. Uh, water, obviously we have to be leery of, you know, how much fluid we push an officer. Cause how often can we go to the bathroom on the job? Yeah. Uh, we know that, especially with my female officers, it's a little harder for them to get in and out of uniform. And then just trying to know where you are and the, the rest stops you can make. So that's one that I know with some of our people, a little bit too dehydrated. So we're not getting enough fluid through the day to make sure everything is moving well and keeping our aquarium moving. So again, hydration is key. Yes, caffeine can help, but it is also a small diuretic. So you will lose some water. But I always told Megan, hey, I get my coffee. I'm getting a lot of that water too. But we do notice we do lose a little bit out of the system. And again, watching how you process. Some of us do process caffeine well, meaning I could drink caffeine two or three in the afternoon and I'm fine before I go to bed. Some of us, you drink at two in the afternoon, you're up till four. Everybody does it a little bit different. So if you're one of those that don't burn it well, you're, you're going to have some issues. Some of us, like they'll have a cup at 6 a.m. and that's it. If they have one at 8 a.m., they hit 10 p.m. and they're staring at the ceiling. So each person's a little different. All right. So I'm going to give again for the people that are into the wearables. Um, I, I, you know, I probably I'm probably the person you described earlier that, that that goes to the extreme. Like sometimes it can be to my detriment, but I, I just like to have data. So this is a Muse headset. Um, there's a couple there are a couple other country uh, companies that make these. Uh, this is the second generation. I don't know where the first one went that I had, but I wear this when I sleep. And I, I just want to use this as an example to talk about what you, what you mentioned about caffeine, because I've been drinking coffee since I was working the night shift at 19 when I was in, uh, in the security police in the Air Force. And I've been a coffee drinker ever since. I drank back then, I drank a shit ton of Mountain Dew and Mellow Yellow. Uh, yes. And before I, it, and it, it wouldn't be until a few years later where I realized what, what the physiological addiction that I had was. Um, and yeah, that's a whole nother story, but if you don't think it's an addiction, yeah, you're crazy. You're kidding yourself. It is an addiction. And that's where bang and those things like that come from. But what this does is it tracks, uh, brain waves. So it, it, it's tracking, I could, it, uh, maybe someday I'll pull it up. I mean, we'll have to do one of these where I pull it up and actually just show so I can see what my theta waves are, my gamma, my alpha, um, delta, you can see them all. So when I sleep every night. This tells me when I go into deep restorative sleep, uh, when I'm in light sleep and when I'm in REM sleep. And there are particular patterns that you should see throughout the night. And every day I can wake up and I can look, I can, I, I fill out a little survey, what I did the day before for my whoop. Um, and then I wear this and I can kind of see what's impacting my sleep. And I'll, we'll, we'll take about five, 10 minutes here, kind of talk about this and then we'll wrap things up for this one. We're going to have to do this again. But by far, the number one negative impact on my sleep over the last three years of tracking this on my, in my Whoop data, um, and I started wearing Whoop, I switched from a, a different app um, at the, at the uh, urging of a coach that I was working with. Um, so if you don't, again, I, I come back to coaching all the time, um, and I'll take a quick sidebar on that because Corey said the same thing. Uh, we had this conversation. A lot of people avoid CrossFit because they want to lose weight before they go into a CrossFit gym because they think they need to get in shape before they go. 
And I don't care what gym you're going to. If if you think you need to get in shape before you go to that gym, that's the wrong gym to go to. So CrossFit, other gyms, you know, people, there are a lot of really good, knowledgeable coaches out there that are going to set you on the right course from day one. You don't want to develop bad habits or do things that might be counterproductive and not know it. Um, go work with people that have experience, that have this expertise, figure it out right away. I so I tell people this all the time, even when I owned my gym, go to the CrossFit gym for three months. And then if you don't uh, want to keep going, at least now you've got a good base. You've learned up front what you should be doing. And now, you know, don't do it the other way around. So anyway, a good coach can save you years and years and years of heartache and turmoil. Um, so a good coach told me, I should be wearing a whoop because I need to track my HRV and a few other things. So alcohol, the number one negative impact on my sleep, um, alcohol. It's not even close. Um, Everything else. uh, And if you go listen to um, Andrew Huberman's episode on alcohol and yeah, (laughs) I have the data to prove it. I, you know, there's, it's, it's not even close. It's, it's like four times worse than caffeine. Um, so the, I was going to go the the next, my next point was caffeine has a half-life in, for most people of about 10 to 12 hours. Meaning if you drink, if you're working the night shift and you drink a cup of coffee at 6 a.m. and you get off at eight, uh, that, that caffeine is not processed fully until probably four o'clock the next day. So you're sleeping and, and that will impact your ability to get from a light sleep and REM sleep into deep sleep. Why is that important? Well, deep sleep is where your brain cleanses itself. We all have heard of this terrifying thing called amyloid plaque. It's something that builds up in the brain. Your brain flushes itself, generally speaking, in the first uh, wave of sleep, first 90 minutes, that's where you should get into your deepest and longest uh, sleep wave. And that's where your brain does most of its cleansing. And then you go into your your lighter REM sleep. That's where your day's memories get organized and, and stored for long-term recall. And so when Troy, when you said four hours, you are not optimized, you are, you know, you might think you are, but you aren't, you aren't. And, and there are ways for you to find out for yourself, what's going to work best for you. So every day I can get up and I can look and, and, you know, there are actually more accurate versions than this one, but this one is probably, you know, on my uh, my retiree budget. This is probably the, the most, the best I can afford. And, and you know what? It gives me, it gives me what I need to know. So there's a, just another little hack for people. If you're looking, if you're, if you're a data geek, or if you're just looking to try to figure out like, okay, well, how is my sleep? Why is it, why is that important? Well, because Insulin resistance runs rampant in the police population, 70 to 80% as high as some people say up to 80%. Um, Type 3 diabetes, uh, insulin resistance leads to type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes ultimately leads to a much higher risk of diabetes type 3, which is a a new way of saying Alzheimer's disease or dementia. So um, you want to prevent the dementia? or, or, you know, cognitive, uh, impairment, then you better be paying attention to your sleep. So that's why we go back to sleep and I'm going to, I'll shut up for a minute. (laughs) No, sleep, sleep is huge. The other one that you just brought up about just sugars brought me a quote from John Wellborn from power athlete. And his biggest one was earn your carbs. I mean, 
I, I try to instill that same myth of if you're not exercising or putting forth a lot of work output, why are we loading the system full of carbohydrates for energy? The body is just like your automobile. And I, I'll ask this to my recruits every time or anybody like, you've got a commission, right? How many gallons does it take? 20. Awesome. You burn two gallons of gas today. Do you put 20 gallons of gas in? No. Why not? Because it'll spill over. Well, if I dump in that much extra fuel, like my body hasn't burned any carbohydrates, so my muscle glycogen and my liver is close to being full. I didn't do much work. Do I need to come home and eat a big pasta meal? Do I need to have a burger and fries and potato chips and a cookie after like everybody's got to have the cookie. Did you do work enough to earn that, that you had to fill that gas tank? Probably not. And that's where the the other low hanging fruit, and I'll say fruit is cut sugar out. I mean, CrossFit pushed that a big ton is sugar. Sugar is one of the worst things and everything that you see. And probably the great thing with the Obama administration put out and Michelle Obama was the food label. To add that little byline of added sugar, because everything would just say sugar, you had no clue. But now you get to see where all these companies are are screwing us by adding sugar like milk. It has natural sugar. Everything has natural until it says added. And there's another 20 grams like, oh, you look at just salt, half the stuff that you buy for putting on your food, there's sugar in it. I mean, you can't get away from this stuff anymore. High fructose corn syrup to... Anything with oats in it, fructose, sucrose. Uh, ugh. We can go down that rabbit hole, but just yeah, cutting sugar is massive. And even just slowly cutting your carbohydrate and add a little bit more protein. And that and that's a that's an easy shift for my troopers. Take the bun off, eat the burger. I don't care if you go through McDonald's drive-thru. Just don't eat the bun. Don't have the fries. Diet pop. Is it the best for you? No. But diet's gonna be a little bit better than a than a full sugar pop. Get iced tea. Don't get the Southern sweet tea. So just yeah. those little little things make little markers that will accumulate long road. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about that. And one. So there are a couple of free apps that are out there. If you're if you're curious and you want to know, you, you can jump on Amazon. You can buy a food scale for 20, 30 bucks um, and you can use uh under Armour's got a good series of apps, you know, map my run, map my fitness, you know, map my, you know, there's a, a calorie tracker, a food tracker there. Uh, there's a, a couple more. Fujicate is a really good app that I recommend to people. They have a paid version. I think that's, that's, that's a little bit slicker than, than the free version, but it's got a, you can use your phone scanner in, in, if depending on the type of meal plan that you're following, if it's, let's say you're trying to, um, uh, have a high uh, high fat low carb nutrition plan or a paleo nutrition plan. You can enter that in, and then you can just use your phone and scan food uh, scan, scan food labels, and it'll give you a grade, and it'll tell you why. And so a lot. And I actually would take groups of officers in one of the programs that we ran. Uh, I would literally take them to the grocery store, <laughs> and we would use the the Fujicate app and we would walk down the aisle and I would say, hey, pick out something in on this aisle that you would generally eat, you know, when you come in here and we pick it up and scan it and be like F, D minus. And they're like, oh, but that's yogurt. Yogurt's good for you. Yeah. Well, let's look mm-hmm. into this yogurt. Like, well, the M&M's on top. And then, oh, by the way, there's all kinds of added sugar in the yogurt itself. So what you thought was a, quote, healthy yogurt, you know, that's got good bacteria in it is... 800 calories. 
yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you can eat that if you're going to work out really hard, like you said, and then you're also not going to be able to eat a lot of other stuff. But um, and then uh, chronometer is another one that I've been I've been using lately. Uh, that one's really nice because it's also it's also tracking all of your not just your macronutrients, but your micronutrients as well which is kind of cool. Um, so there's just a couple more th- uh, little tips for people. Yeah. Apps are huge. I mean, my fitness pal to everything. There, I mean, there's a million of them out there, but just again, another good quote, like what's the best program, the one that you'll do. Yeah. What's the best exercise, the one that you'll stick with. I mean, that's a stand effort equal. And, it, and it's the truth. I mean, we can tell you everything to do. We can do CrossFit says, what, what are you going to stick with? And I liked your analogy, give it three months. Too many people start a program. I'm giving it two weeks. What? Yeah. That you got to get through the hump and just, just literally walk in and say, I'm paying for three months and just show up and just do it because that will give you that window of even at two months. I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to see progress. I'm starting to feel better. I'm getting through that hump. I'm starting to see something. So giving it some time is huge. And that's with even nutrition giving yourself that time to start to set that pattern and really start to look at slowly building a plan. CrossFit coaches are out there that'll help you. There's nutritionists online you can pay for. There's free stuff and there's paid stuff. How how much is your health worth? Because what is the one thing that we cannot buy back? Time or health. We get all the way to the end. We're going to chase that rabbit. I'm going to earn my pension. And by that time, I've burned the ships. I'm not going to be able to buy back my health and I'm not going to be able to buy back time. So make time for yourself and then make time for your health because then that will help you with your wealth. So boom, health is wealth. Yep. All right. We're going to close on a couple things. Oh, one of my favorite quotes, by the way, Jim Lear has a great coach and it's energy, not time is your greatest resource. Time is a great resource because it's fixed. We know we've got 24 hours in a day. You can't change it. Um, there's no super hacks out there that are going to change the amount of time in a day. Uh, we know that sleep needs to be eight hours of that. So you've got 16 hours in a day to work with. Uh, that's a lot of time. And what you do in that 16 hours, presuming that you're getting that eight hours of sleep, that's what's going to create your energy stores. And then your energy is what you can apply to living your life. If you're take if if, if you're not investing in your health, like Troy just said, then you're investing in your sickness. That's it. You uh, you may not want to look at it that way, but you decide, oh, well, it's cheap to go through McDonald's and it's quick and easy. Um, well, you, you're still paying for it and you're not paying for wellness. And I'm not saying you, there's not healthy options at McDonald's. So McDonald's don't get mad at me. Um, but we know 99% of your stuff is shit. Um, and if I eat it, then I'm investing in my illness. That's what you're doing. And so you make the decision. What, what do you what do you want? You know, begin with the end in mind, how build that energy. And that's what you get to utilize. That's your capital. That is what you get. And that's, you know, to hang out with your kids, to live well into retirement, to be there, to, you know, to walk down the aisle, all these things that you want to do in life. It's all the little decisions that, that lead to that. So with that in mind, you can only recommend three books for someone to get healthy. What are the three books you're going to give them? No, number one, we talked about Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep. There's a book called Peak Mind by Amishi Jha. 
phenomenal book, just talks about a little bit of mindset, breath. And the last one is James Nestor and Breathe, because that one really talks about why it's important to breathe through our nose. It's been a life-changing book for me in our academy because we really start to dive deep into actually getting our body self-regulated and understanding what regulating your body and your psychology does, especially with law enforcement. If you don't control your breath, your breath will control you. So you have to understand your ability to go from a stress situation to a relaxed situation. You can do that by consciously focusing on your breath. Those are my three. Well, I can tell you, I've got two of the three sitting in the room with me and I have the third. It's just downstairs. Which is the third? <laughs> so, Which one? James Nestor. Um, Great book. Yeah. You know, Amisha Ja, her work is is phenomenal. And uh, go back and I would encourage people too, if you're in the training environment, go back and listen to my episode with Yalise Balban. She is a researcher from Stanford. Uh, she worked in Dr. Huberman's lab at Stanford as well. And she's working on technology that will, uh, it, it's it's called NeuroSmart, and it's a training technology where it's, again, a wearable tech that you wear on your forearm. Uh, and it will detect at the earliest possible time when you're shifting between sympathetic and para parasympathetic nervous system. So really what that does, and it, it goes back to your point about breath control and about controlling your breathing, because it will tell you, you know, when, when you're getting amped up at the earliest possible time. So the cool thing is you can wear it in a training environment. You can wear it on the street. Uh, she was just actually throwing some stuff out on LinkedIn the other day where she went out on a ride along uh, and with the officer, then both of them were wearing them. So she is a civilian having no experience in law enforcement riding out with a, with an officer. Um, so that that's pretty fascinating. But, you know, there are people like Dr. Balban out there. Uh, Catherine Palua is another uh, interview that I've done with some fantastic researchers, very, very smart people that care a lot about first responders that want to do well by us. Uh, and now it's really just kind of up to us to decide what we're going to do with this, you know, uh, partnering with with these researchers so we can set up the next generation for success. And um, with that, if I don't shut up right now, Troy, we're going to talk for another hour. And uh, I've already got a little list of things that we're going to hit on next time. But uh, any closing thoughts? Ah, the one quote that I always have, when you choose a career in law enforcement, you give up that right to be unfit. And that's heard it, both folks. mental and physical. And I will not argue that. All right. Thanks for being here. I really do appreciate your time. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. I really appreciate all the work that you've done for our brothers and sisters in law enforcement uh, and the Indiana State Police. Uh, you got a great leader down there. Superintendent Carter cares about his people. Um, and you guys have been trendsetters for a long time. Uh, but all that being said, I hope the uh, the Lafayette PD SWAT guys can take down the ISP in the, this week's SWAT challenge. We'll find out this weekend how it's going. I wore today my shirt today just for you, just to rep uh, my old crew. And a uh, little shout out to them and to, uh, to all of those competing this weekend. But until the next time, uh, next episode, take care of yourself, folks. And uh, we'll be 1042. The Optimizer podcast is powered by Performance Protocol. Performance Protocol brings professional executive coaching to police officers and administrators at all levels of the organization. Performance Protocol has the blueprint that will operationalize organizational optimization. 
It is purpose-built for today's public safety employees to help them accomplish goals and live better. What is it? One-on-one video-based coaching with officers and leaders who have been in your shoes and know firsthand what it means to live and work in public safety. The program will connect you with certified coaches who combine their years of success in the world of law enforcement with world-class training from the cobble of performance protocol coaches. Get the support, resources, motivation you need to live the life you want. Performance protocol coaches are relatable, knowledgeable, and confidential. Most importantly, they get results. Why should the keys to unlocking our peak performance be reserved for just the boardroom or the playing field? Unleash your full potential today and get started with Performance Protocol. Remember, performance is the goal. Protocol is the path. Log into www.performance-protocol and learn more about how to bring this program to your agency and community.